creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want a wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing What's in the box? on every order. <laughs> Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, Unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.com 
Co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Today, in a bipartisan way, the House demonstrated that no one is above the law, not even the President of the United States. That Donald Trump is a clear and present danger to our country, and that once again, we honored our oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help us God. And now, I sadly, and with a heart broken over what this means to our country, of a president who would incite insurrection, will sign the engrossment of the article of impeachment. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Paste Case. This is Bachelor Clues. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Thursday. As you know, our Thursday episodes are called This Week in Bachelor Nation, and we break down all of the gains that have happened on Instagram for the players of this season. We talk about TV ratings for the show. We give you all your Bachelor Nation news. We talk about parasocial plays. We deliver some screams from deep within the pit. Are we just going to keep recording Twibbon during insane political events last week we recorded during the insurrection and this week we are recording during donald trump's second impeachment that ain't up to us other people are doing those things we're simply (laughs) recording a podcast and the world goes on around us but we of course begin every thursday episode with game of roses state of the world in state of the world we talk about things that are happening outside of Bachelor Nation, and then we tell you how it's all connected to Bachelor Nation because everything is, as we now know. So just as Pace K said up top, last week we were recording State of the World as an angry terrorist mob was in the process of overtaking the U.S. Capitol. This week, we are recording State of the World literally seconds after the U.S. House of Representatives has concluded its vote to impeach lame duck President Donald Trump for his treasonous role in inciting his supporters to commit violent crimes on his behalf on the charge of incitement of insurrection. This is the first time in history that a U.S. president has been impeached twice. On Tuesday, the House voted 223 to 205 to urge Vice President Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment and strip Trump of his presidential power. Pence issued a letter to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi early this morning declining to comply with the will of the people as stated by their elected representatives. Pence's refusal to take action is what has initiated the debate and vote that has recently concluded. Ten Republicans joined the Democratic Party in the House to achieve this simple majority necessary to send the vote to the Senate, where a two-thirds majority vote of at least 67 senators is going to be required to finalize this impeachment. 
Now, the House has already voted to impeach Trump once during his four-year term, and that attempt failed when it was sent to the Senate, where it was voted down. So we don't know what's going to happen in the coming days or even hours. But Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has stated that he is in favor of impeachment now because it serves his self-interest of fully removing Trump from the Republican Party just in time for him to kind of weasel his way into what he believes will be the new Republican Party to kind of detach himself from the sinking ship that is Donald Trump. And that Senate trial is scheduled to happen sometime next week. There is no urgency on this. And the timing, I think, is meant to occur literally moments before Joe Biden gets sworn in. So the news cycle will take that up and the impeachment of Trump will just be something for the history books. But you think it will pass? I don't know. I mean, they need how many Republicans? 17? That's a lot. They didn't even get that many in the House. Uh, We are talking about the unprecedented event of a sitting U.S. president inciting a terrorist attack against the government he supposedly works for and Congress trying to impeach him. Now, Pitt, you might be wondering, how could this possibly relate to The Bachelor? Well, I assure you it does. You see, whatever happens in the House or the Senate, whether he gets impeached or not, it's 100% irrelevant because the world of people debating and politicians making laws doesn't really matter anymore because that is happening in the old world. The new world, the world that matters the most, is the world of reality TV and social media. And in that world, he's already been exiled. While lawmakers have taken a week to write letters and have debates, the primary world of social media has already erased Trump from existence. He was removed from all social media platforms, including Pinterest. (laughs) This is the most important moment in the history of social media and its continually evolving role in the formation of humanity. A lot of people talk about the importance of the impeachment of Trump so he can't run again. But that actually does not matter now. Because without Twitter, more importantly, Trump cannot win again. He is a ghost. His parasocial power has been stripped completely. And that ultimately is infinitely more significant than any power he might be able to wield from the White House or any other seat in government. Social media is the only world that matters. It is where decisions are made. It is where presidents are decided. And if you're not in that world anymore, you don't fucking exist. Okay, don't you think by the time he can run again, there will be a new social media that he is accepted upon? Totally possible. But if it's a different kind of social media, if it's like a parlor, let's say, where it's just the Mm right-wing echo chamber, it won't work for him. He needs the fight. He needs to put an inflammatory tweet out and have the news cover and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe what he said. And a million people are replying to it. If he doesn't have that, he doesn't fucking exist. Can you imagine right now this vote just passed in the House? They're going to send this to the Senate now. If he had Twitter, he would be lighting it up, fucking coming after the 10 Republicans who voted him down, coming after all the Democrats, telling his followers to do what the fuck ever. Instead, there is silence. He does not exist. He has no reaction to this. We know he does. We know wherever he is right now, he's watching this on the fucking news, losing his mind. But we don't see that reaction anymore. He is a fucking ghost. And that is, to me, it's so much more important than whether he gets impeached or not. That doesn't matter. Even what the politicians are doing and shit, it's all fueled by social media. He does need to get impeached. (laughs) 
in my opinion. Sure, for the history books, I guess. But like, I don't think he has power anymore because he's not able to get on social media. And to me, that's how it relates to The Bachelor is like reality television, social media, what these people are doing and saying. It's how the world is now formed. And he's not a part of it anymore. He's just fucking gone. I am now reacting on the cautious end of all these things. And I think that he needs to be impeached. You know what? I take it back. You know, I think he's learned his lesson. (laughs) He's a changed man. (laughs) Twitter, let him back. Give him his account back, Twitter. You know, I think he's really taken everything that's happened in, done a lot of self-reflection, and he's not going to be inciting fascist riots again. Yeah, we should let him live out his last week <laughs> as president and let him give him a chance. Pass back. <laughs> I'm just saying like whatever's happening in the Senate, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, all these people, whatever powers they have pale in comparison to whoever's making the decisions at Twitter and Instagram to yank him from them. That decision is vastly more important. That decision in itself is like it's so late in the game and it's so when everybody has already turned on Trump, they're making that decision where it's not going to negatively affect their bottom line and engagement anymore. It's just, it's sad. And we saw this coming. Basically, this happened on a smaller scale in Michigan already earlier this year. But it is like people want to resort to the mean. They want, they don't want it to be an insurrection they want to the instinct is for this to not have been this gigantic horrible thing and the more we're learning about it the worse and worse it seems these videos are horrifying and like it's just lucky that we didn't have senators killed this week has been a lot in a series of weeks that have been a lot And the attorney general said there is more information that's going to come out in the next couple of days that will, in quotes, shock people. I can only take that to mean that people at very high positions within the government were somehow directly involved with this. But to the point of Instagram and social media, Twitter being more powerful than any decisions lawmakers can make, it's also quicker. Like, yes, they, they might have waited until the last final days to make this decision, but as soon as it was made, he was gone. We're now watching the slow-moving parts of a fucking decaying government being like, well, we have to send a letter to Mike Pence. Then he sends us a letter back. Now we've <laughs> got to have a debate. Now yeah. we've got to vote. Now that bill is going to go to the Senate. Now they've got to hold a trial. When are they going to start the trial? Oh, next week? Okay. And then I don't know how long that's going to take, but then we'll see. Then they have to have a vote, and it's like, come on. It doesn't matter. What what they're doing is for show. Donald Trump doesn't exist. He is gone, erased from the primary world. It's already taken care of, guys. You can sit down. That is so optimistic. I find myself <laughs> taking a more negative view of like, we need to put him in check with the old guard ways as well. And it's interesting because we talk about, you know, network TV dying, that the ratings are based on these antiquated measurements and they're over-exaggerating the importance of these old white people. And it's kind of like the electoral college in the same way. Like our representatives are representing fewer and fewer people. I mean, the makeup of the Senate just doesn't represent the country at all. And we're still relying on that. 
we need overhauls of network TV and the Electoral College. <laughs> well, they both just need to die, and they will do that very soon. How is the Electoral College going to die? They need they need a huge percentage of people to vote in order to kill it, which they're not going to They get. will, because parasocial How? power. Fame is now what matters. You're going to be looking at people like AOC and Bernie Sanders who generate millions of followers, and they will all just be like, vote no on this, and people will do it. Social media controls our behavior in a way that... No, but the senators, they're not, AOC's not controlling the Republican senators. I don't think that this impeachment is going to pass the Senate. We'll see. I, I'm not talking about the impeachment. That's a whole other thing. But like the Electoral College will end in our lifetime. You need the same amount of people to vote to end the president as you need to end the Electoral College. Yeah. And I think we'll have it. I mean, I hope you're right. Because, yeah, a lot of this has just made me think about the way that we have handled COVID is the way that we're going to handle climate change, and it's just going to get worse and worse and hit communities that are already hit the hardest even more. I think within our lifetimes, we are going to see the vote for all things move to general, and it's going to be on your phone, so you don't have to go anywhere. There's no ballots, none of that fucking shit. And everyone will be voting. Anybody who has a phone will be because the barrier of entry is zero. It's literally just going to be like a text message or a fucking app or an Instagram page, whatever. I hope so. That's so, it feels so optimistic to me. It's hard to picture, but I'll go with Clues' beautiful, bright, utopian vision. (laughs) AOC is not going to be the new kid on the block for much longer she's eventually going to be like an entrenched fucking American politician and all of her ideas that seem fucking radical and insane when she's like 50 there's going to be people under her who have even more radical and insane ideas and getting rid of the electoral college or voting by your phone is going to seem like baby boomer shit you know what I mean we're moving in that direction these aren't conversations that are going away they're only becoming more and more prevalent AOC has been doing a phenomenal job in pushing the Overton window, which is the range of policies that are politically acceptable to the mainstream population at a given time, the window of discourse, pushing that farther to the left. Green New Deal, when it was introduced, was seen as crazy, and now it is much more mainstream. Yeah, and I think that'll continue to happen. As she moves the center left, there are going to be other politicians coming in under her who move it even fucking further i'm telling you eventually aoc will be viewed as a moderate or a conservative in the democratic party oh i see people already considering her a moderate on twitter the beautiful gentle world of twitter (laughs) (laughs) well congratulations go out to donald trump second impeachment historic record books the first person I'm aware of with that large of a following to be deplatformed instantaneously across all social media as well, that's historic. Truly, I believe it's the most important moment in the history of social media. We witnessed that these companies have power to erase a human being. He wins the lowest gain award for this week of anyone. <laughs> a loss of millions and millions and millions. So that is it for Game of Roses, State of the World. Now we move on to This Week in Games. 
As you know, we are charting the ratings of the show and the Instagram gains of all the players for this season. So let's jump in. The second week of Matt James' historic season 25 of The Bachelor turned in a 1.7 rating in adults 18 to 49 and then slid 10% in raw viewers to 4.7 million. While the numbers certainly went down, the show still won its night and time slot across all major broadcast networks, which is astounding to me. And as we said last week, we feel like these low numbers indicate a decline in network television viewership more than they do a rebuke of Matt James as The Bachelor. All network TV ratings are down across the board, and it's likely, I think, due to the pandemic accelerating the growing trend of people exclusively watching streaming services. We've predicted on this show that The Bachelor will likely have to move to a streaming service within the next five to ten years, but if these numbers continue, it might be much sooner. Let's talk Instagram gains. Season 25, Bachelor, Matt James is up 79.4k from last week, bringing him to 704k total. What week do you think he will hit 1 million? I think two weeks from now. I think next week he's going to get 100 plus, And I think the week after that, it's going to be closer to 200. Why do you think he's going to get more next week than this week? I think it's just going to be an upward slope. And on to the top five follower gains for the players on Matt James's season. These numbers are our difference from last week recording, January 6th, to today, January 13th. One player absolutely dominated gains this week again with a massive 65K, bringing her to 166,000 followers, Abigail Herringer. Will she be the first player to join the 200K club? Looks like it. While she was on the group date, she was not featured in this. She was highlighted by DLH when he gave out the first date card and he congratulated her on the FIMP. Others pointed out that she got the first kiss. She also did do an amazing cocktail party play by settling into this strong FIMP recipient strategy of laying in the cut, telling James it's hard to go on group dates, but she wants to establish a signal with him rubbing her ear from across the room for him to do back to her. She's engaged in this mandatory behavioral act of compliance, a huge move which will allow her to continuously check in on this connection and restore it without even needing to perform a steal or let the other players know about it. We think we are going to continue to see massive gains from her all season, probably a million followers, and she remains on our crown radar. She's got to hit a million. I think definitely she's going to hit 200K next week. Guaranteed. I'm assuming she might have a one-on-one next week. And I think Mm -hmm. sky's the limit for Abigail Herringer. Do you think we'll get a 100K gain from a one-on-one? Let's see what she does on that one-on-one. She's got 65 for barely, yeah. Yeah, she's got something going on here. And I think it's only going to get bigger and bigger. Speaking of getting bigger... In the number two position for gains for the second week in a row, Georgian Rachel Kirkinall. She raked in an impressive 36,000 new followers, bringing her total to 82.3K, still amid swirling TikTok rumors of racism and bullying in her past, as well as reposting a possible QAnon account this week regarding child sex trafficking. 
She had several victimization ITMs about turtling in the photo shoot of this week, being on the losing team in the group date, and she was able to pull out tears after all of this. But surprisingly, this is a large gain for someone not featured all that much. What do we attribute this to? It is the biggest mystery for me in this list. Is she buying followers? I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea how to even, like, know that. But she got a huge bump last week, too. she's, She's hitting with some people. Is it the controversy? I don't know. Is this a right-wing support backlash for everything that's happening in the country and we see she's racist and is liking pictures with Confederate flags in them? And so it's that portion of the uh, viewing audience who's doing it. Yeah, maybe QAnon is like, we got a girl on The Bachelor now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like Look, I don't think she purposely reposted that account knowing that it was QAnon, but... It was interesting to me because in the post she said, do your research. And I'm like, did you even look at the account that you just reposted? I don't think so. (laughs) You're like, do your research? Do you know who you're talking to? (laughs) I mean, okay, I will click on this and see all of the Instagram accounts of this person who keeps being taken off Instagram and doesn't want to wear masks, etc. You can find all of these on our Instagram stories. But I, yeah, I'm very confused by this. If this was a meritocracy, you would expect the number one and number two to be Bree Springs and Sarah Trott, the two players that had one-on-one dates. But this is not a meritocracy. Third place this week was Sarah Trott, though. She brought in an impressive 31.1K for her perfect one-on-one date performance, bringing her to 57.3K total. It deserved gain after a solid wall game, stunning PTC play, and chemistry game. I still predict a very deep run for Miss Trot, and I think she mm-hmm. is going to be in the high hundreds of thousands. I don't know if she's going to crack a million this season. She doesn't seem to have that crazy explosive growth capability like an Abigail Herringer, but I think she's going to get up there, and who knows what's going to happen by the end of the season. If she wants paradise, she's going to have it, and there she will crack a million. Another player who was not featured but made impressive gains this week was the young Kit Keenan. She saw a gain of 29.2 thousand, bringing her total to 105K. She joins only Abigail Herringer in the 100K club this season. Congratulations, Kit. While the New York Socialite was not heavily featured on the group date, she did get a second flower at Rose, and she is playing one of the strongest social media strategy games out there, posting almost constantly her luxurious living in a nice house in the hills of L.A., beautiful sunsets, and she is living in the lap of luxury. We can only assume this is done through the means of her famous fashion designer mother. Presumably. Or she's selling a lot of sweatshirts. Fifth place in gains went to Bree Springs for her amazing performance on her one-on-one date as well. Enduring Matt James almost killing her on the ATV. A strong hot tub chemistry game performance in the day portion. And her perfectly played parallel single mom PTC at the night portion. She gained 22.2K, bringing her to 
34.4K total, more than doubling her following. Turns out, surviving a near-death experience gives you a big bump on IG. Other notable gains this week include Victoria Larson, who raked in 10.4K for her villain edit, experimental visible bra strap play, and wrecking ball strategy (laughs) slash Maryland rivalry play, which according to Bachelor Data, earned her more screen time than even Bree Springs, who was on a one-on-one date, bringing her to 16.6K total, more than doubling her followers, Her not-here-to-make-friends strategy is something we have never seen in the history of the game. Certainly, players have played this strategy never like this. She is a fucking machine. She is a Terminator, hell-bent on attacking everyone in her vicinity (laughs) until either she is going to be removed from the game or they are. I am so fascinated to watch what she is going to do for the rest of the season because we saw in the promo she's at least around for another week. Yeah, to me... When I think of Victoria Larson, I think of the Kool-Aid man just <laughs> going through walls, going through whatever is in her path. It's... Doesn't matter. <laughs> I agree. It's perfect. Uh, other notable gains this week, MJ Snyder also gained a solid 10K for her colorful narrator play on the group date, bringing her to 23K total. Anna Redman got 8K for her colorful narration as well. 6.9K to Katie Thurston, although she was largely missing from the document. She did load a love level one and produce tears after the group date loss. 6.1K to Marilyn Sienna for her part in the rivalry play with Victoria. 6K to Chelsea Vaughn for her toast, reading the date card, and her amazing coat. 6K to Mary Pepin for most valuable bride win slash producers pick to join the night portion of the group date. And the smallest gain crown went to Corinne Jones this week for gaining 100 followers, bringing her to 27.1K total. And now, on to the rest of the most important happenings this week in Bachelor Nation. This is... Bachelor Nation News. First up in Bachelor Nation News, we're talking about some all-stars. Deanie Babies and Kaylin Miller-Keys have purchased a home together in Las Vegas. Babies announced the news on this week's episode (laughs) of his Help I Suck at Dating podcast and claimed that he and Miller-Keys are looking for a quieter lifestyle. The pair met on the action-packed season six of Bachelor in Paradise in which Babies pulled off what was then a groundbreaking voluntary facial hair removal play to prove his 4TRR intentions to Miller Keys, who has been with him ever since. This same strategy was reprised by young Noah Erb on the most recent season of The Bachelorette. Ungler and Miller Keys are both in the top 25 all-time IG followers list with 1.3 million and 1.4 million followers respectively. We wish them both happiness in their new home and in this new phase of their lives. We should also mention that the big board of Instagram followers is data collected and provided by Bachelor Data. This week also saw the inaugural episode of a brand new Bachelor Nation sanctioned podcast called Talking It Out with Mike and Brian. The Mike is Bachelor Nation's first choice for Bachelor Season 25, Mike Johnson, and the Brian is Rachel Lindsay's ring winner, Brian Abasolo. The duo's first guest was ex-NFL player Emmanuel Aco, 
who currently has 457,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, on which he regularly gets over a million views per video for discussions he has with celebrities like Matthew McConaughey and Chelsea Handler, as well as groups of cops and even the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodall. I only had time to listen to the first five minutes of this podcast and plan to get to it this week. But even from a cursory experience with it, one thing was made very clear. Brian Avasolo is made for podcasting. He has a great voice and cadence, and I am excited to hear what he can do as the show unfolds. Johnson is at number 53 in our beloved game with 633,000 followers, while Abasolo is at number 78 with 363k. I will admit, I tried to get into this and just literally didn't have the time. I am interested to see what happens on it. I did kind of question their first guess. Emmanuel Acho is a football player, and yes, his YouTube channel is all about social stuff and what is going on with race in America, et cetera, et cetera. So it does kind of link up into kind of that area of talk. But nonetheless, I don't think he's a person that most of Bachelor Nation knows. Certainly, he's not in Bachelor Nation. And so for the first guest... I mean, I just mispronounced his name. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But... Yeah. Oh, dope. To have him as your first guest, I, I don't know. Is that just something that they're interested in? Are they trying to angle this more toward like kind of a guy podcast and have sports people on? I guess so. But I would think that most of their following is Bachelor Nation, <laughs> heavily female. It's an interesting take. I would think that you would put, you know, Rachel Lindsay on as your first guest. Or Hannah Brown from Mike Johnson's season. They have access to some of the biggest names in Bachelor Nation, and they elected to not do that. Hannah Brown is too busy not commenting on the white supremacist insurrection. That's right. I forgot. She did have a lot going on. (laughs) But I'm also wondering who the producers of this podcast are. This is a Bachelor Nation official podcast, and the producers are like, yeah, let's get a football player on here. Right. What are they thinking? Maybe they are thinking this is going to be our guy-centric Bachelor Nation podcast. I'll have to listen more, see if they, uh, doesn't sound like they implemented my three queens segment idea. They might have, I don't know. I didn't listen to the whole thing. And that's (laughs) primarily why I wanted to listen to it and I just didn't have time. But I'm going to check it out. I will get to it this week and report back. I'm curious to see where they go. And and definitely, so far for me, just from the first few minutes, Brian is the highlight of it. That guy is fucking good on a mic. He posts a lot of inspirational quotes on his Instagram, but that's like all I can remember him doing since his season. Well, hopefully he's going to branch out here and take a stab at doing what Rachel does and be a star on a Bachelor Nation podcast. Item number three this week of Bachelor Nation news involves a New York Post article in which Dale Moss revealed that he only went on The Bachelorette because Claire Crawley was the lead after he had turned them down thrice. That's correct. Three times they tried to get this guy to come on The Bachelorette and he said no until Claire was the queen that he was going for. The former football player talked about his journey to being cast on the ABC reality show on Raising the Bar, an entrepreneurship podcast from Dry Bar founder Allie Webb and her executive coach and boyfriend Adrian Kohler. Moss also went on to talk about his childhood and his experiences being raised by a father who was dealing with a heroin addiction. 
as well as the challenges he faced being biracial. So we learned from this that this man had another PTC he never even played. (laughs) A father with addiction. We never heard about that. We never saw anything about that. Had he been able to play a full season, I don't know what would have happened. I I really can't even imagine. First to three million? First to 10 million. I think he would have blown away (laughs) the game. Learning this was shocking to me, but not surprising, I guess, if I can be both shocked and unsurprised. It was like, of course he's got a fucking PTC like that. There's probably a million other things that he could have played over the course of that season that would have blown our minds. We never get to see it. I lament that, but I am glad that Dale Moss is out there succeeding. He is our parasocial king. He is at number 40 on the all-time chart with 762K, while his queen, the 16th bachelorette, Claire Crawley, is in the elite 1 million club at number 34 with an even 1 million. Speaking of the 1 million club... P.P. and his sixth choice for wife, Kelly Flanagan, are in the news this week. Despite their breakup, they are both New York City bound, the Big Apple. The scar-headed P.P. is already in New York, posting Instagram stories from his brand new apartment as he moves in, while Kelly took to her Instagram to announce she'll be in the Florida Keys until March, then she's still making the move to New York City where she's excited to share her next chapter with us. Well, not with us, because we have been blocked by both Flanagan and PP, but rest assured, we will be watching their New York City adventures from our Burner accounts. We wish them both well in the Big Apple, and it's hard to imagine they won't run into each other for at least a few photo ops. PP is number six on the all-time Instagram list at 1.9 million followers. Conservative lawyer Kelly Flanagan is at number 37 with 816K. Are they going to get back together? I think they will at least do what Tyler and Hannah did, which is have themselves be photographed at a lunch. I think so, too. Maskless. I think so, too. (laughs) The interesting thing here is there are rumors surrounding their breakup that involve some infidelity on the part of P.P. So I don't know if there is too much bad blood for them to even sit down for a photo op or not. Right. But if there's not, if they're amicable in any way, these motherfuckers are going to be doing a YouTube channel yeah. together. Even if there is bad blood, I see them pushing through it for the parasocial opportunities. Our next item of Bachelor Nation news this week is musical. That's right. As some of you may know, Cassie Randolph has been rumored to be dating a musician named Brighton Reinhardt, and Brighton released a new song this week called Creep. Many people think this is a song about Colton Underwood based on some lyrics that directly reference a GPS tracking device. In the song, Reinhardt sings, You can't stop thinking about my baby. What once was yours in the world is changing. God, I hope you get your thinking right. GPS on the underside told her everything will be just fine. Damn, I can't believe these guys. There is no conclusive admission that the song was inspired by Underwood's criminal behavior, but we will play a clip for you now to hear for yourself. You're a creep. 
stop thinking about my baby What once was yours in the world is changing God, I hope you get your thinking right GPS on the underside Told her everything will be just fine Damn, I can't believe these guys I'm not sure, but this might be the first time in the history of the game that a player has been pulled into a musical beef. Despite deleting all of his main grid posts shortly after Randolph filed a restraining order against him earlier this year, Underwood maintains the number four overall IG spot with 2 million followers. Randolph, meanwhile, sits at number 10 with 1.5 million. And Brighton Reinhardt would come in at 165 with his 85.9k followers between Kelly Travis from Bachelor Season 18, and Alex Whitequa from Bachelorette Season 12. It's oddly specific. (laughs) GPS on the underside, specifically. This is 100% about Colton Underwood. The bigger question, I think, is, uh, is this a good move to reference this traumatic event, put it in a song, if this is your girlfriend that you're dating, and you're just... It is a good move. I didn't even know Brighton Reinhardt was until <laughs> yeah. this piece of Bachelor Nation news. Therefore, it's in the conversation. It's a good parasocial move unless it alienates you from Cassie Randolph because I do feel like she now kind of controls his parasocial life. Oh, you think she didn't approve? I don't know. I think she did. Possibly. And I think this is also an interesting move for her. It's kind of a Lauren Lane route, dating a musician post game yeah well to all players involved we wish them luck and that wraps up bachelor nation news for this week it is now time to move on to all the plays that our glorious players are making off the television screen and on the little screens that we all hold in our hands that spy on us 24 hours a day Talking about your cell phones. <laughs> this is the parasocial play, 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 play of the week. We had a pretty insane parasocial week in response to the white supremacist insurrection. Decided that I was going to catalog all of the big players from Bachelor Nation's responses to the event and lack of responses um you can see those i've t- i've put them in a highlight called coup art riku um if you are curious about those responses and there's still some people who have not commented on it at all but to start off the incredible parasocial plays this week Joe Park, Dr. Joe, finds his way into the list of notable plays this week again with a five-clip series he posted to his Instagram stories that walks viewers through the second dose of his COVID vaccine. We see him sign up, get the shot, get his chocolate for being a good boy, and finally he gives us a still image of his completed COVID-19 vaccine card 
with text on screen that reads, and that's it. While the Jackson 5's ABC plays in the background. To our knowledge, Park was the first member of Bachelor Nation to receive the vaccine. And in a time when many top players like Matt James and Tyler Cameron are openly defying any form of COVID protocols, Park's decision to parasocially chronicle the event was truly more than than just a great play. It was incredibly important to help remove the stigma from a procedure that everyone should be getting as soon as possible and show us that not everyone in Bachelor Nation is disastrously reckless and selfish. Park is running a parasocial gambit this week. He also filmed himself in a tux for a date with Bennett Andrew Jordan, as well as a humorous series of Instagram stories where he's running in the park and runs into Zaysha, Zach Clark, and Tasha Adams. He's everywhere. He's doing everything. <laughs> I don't understand yeah. how this is possible. Does Joe Park have a twin no. brother that we never found out about? Does he have two twin brothers that Love we never him. found out about? It just doesn't seem possible that one man could be doing so much parasocial play with all of these different people. When he shows up in the fucking tuxedo to And especially with a full-time job as an anesthesiologist. Exactly. The fucking guy's a doctor. <laughs> but he's got time to put on a tuxedo and go over to Bennett's apartment. Like, what's going on? And then he's jogging. He's, oh, it God. makes me wonder if I don't understand an anesthesiologist job. I'm like, okay, maybe he just like presses the button and then he leaves to shoot content. You just need to add that dose and then your job is <laughs> done. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> like, I will say that. Maybe you don't monitor. Much of what doctors do is going to be rendered obsolete within the next five to 10 years by AI. Certainly diagnosis of oh. a lot of stuff will be. And I think anesthesiologist jobs will be gone as well. So you're saying that Joe Park is making an early pivot to content creator. Yeah, he's making a very smart move. He's like, the days of this job existing are very numbered. I need to start making some TikToks. (laughs) Well, it is also a very strong crown play. You know, he's been on our crown radar since he was beloved by the viewers of Taysha and Claire's season. And... He has not let up in his parasocial game. He's truly making the most of it. And based on what he did in show, in game, I have to say, this is surprising to me. I'm loving seeing it, but I did not see this coming. He is, to me, the most pleasant Mm. surprise, other, of course, than Dale Moss's extreme dominance. Joe Park is the most pleasant surprise (laughs) of uh, that season. So congrats to you, Joe Park. And we appreciate what you are doing as the Dr. Fauci of Bachelor Nation, letting everyone know that it is safe to get a vaccine. So the second parasocial play of the week is what I was talking about up top, about the various responses to the white supremacist insurrection last week. Dan Moss did an amazing series of Instagram stories where he's speaking directly to camera about the double standard that this presents, where the police aren't doing anything during the resurrection compared to how the George Floyd protesters were treated. Katie Thurston posted an Instagram story in response to 45's tweet and said, get fucked. I was a fan of that. Also a story where she posted a DM where someone was like, oh, Bachelor people being political, you're not going to get followers. And she responded, if you're expecting detox teas and an aesthetically pleasing pics, I'm not the girl for you. Silence is violence. Matt James, while he initially (laughs) had a parasocial error of the week by posting a golfing picture 
mid-insurrection. He did eventually post a few sentences about it the next day. He said, yesterday, as we watched riots take place inside our capital, we're reminded yet again we're living in two different Americas. As a black man who saw how peaceful protesters were handled this summer, I know a group of black or brown rioters would not have been dealt with in the same way. We need to address the hypocrisy and injustice in our country to set a better better example for the next generation. I'm praying for America 2021 and to say nothing is saying something. Fist hand emoji, American flag emoji. Most of the players from Matt James's season posted stories denouncing the white supremacists. There were some notable absences, which could indicate some MAGA MAGA leanings. And we will get to those when we discuss parasocial errors of this week. But before we get to those, another extremely good play was turned in by who? Well, it wasn't exactly Dale Moss, or was it? This was a post that wound up on Claire Crawley's Instagram featuring Dale Moss trying to recreate his Blandy limo exit, which if you don't remember, you should remember, it was a hug lift, which he repeated multiple times throughout the season. and it takes two. (laughs) It did lose the poll. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Clues and I famously fought about what type of limo exit Dale Moss had. I said it was It Takes Two. He said it was a blandy. But in this video, Moss lifts up the love of his life, Claire Crawley, and accidentally smashes her skull into their ceiling. (laughs) She gives a little noise. Oh! And he immediately drops her down into a loving caress, placing his hand on the back of her head to rub the pain away while he gives her a gentle kiss. Even in someone else's Instagram, he is displaying parasocial power. It's fucking incredible. That was one of my favorite videos of the week. And he didn't even make it. I don't know who's shooting it. It's not Claire Crawley. It's not Dale Moss. It's some third party who happens to be there witnessing this. And he turns this kind of comic, mild injury into a moment where he's showing to us how much he loves her and cares about her and that he will do anything for her. It's fucking beautiful. This was technically a play by Claire Crawley with an assist by Dale Moss and she posted a series of updates about whether she was going to go to sleep because she might be concussed etc and then posted a video the next morning she slept and survived the night (laughs) but it was an excellent (laughs) series and it came up on my explore page for all of my Instagram accounts so I think it was very powerful parasocially Anything this fucking guy does is going to be in our list, even when it's not on his fucking Instagram account. As soon as he wakes up, he's in our parasocial plays every fucking day. You know what's going to happen? There's somebody's going to take a video of him sleeping, and that's going to be in our fucking parasocial plays. His mere existence is parasocial play. I have been living a little bit in this Bachelor alternate universe where he was the Bachelor instead of Matt James, and it's, it's a comforting place. God damn it. God damn it. I wish that was true. Now, before we get to our parasocial play of the week, we want to run through some of the errors because there were a few and we feel that they are significant. So first up in our parasocial errors, Hannah and Sluss. 
The sluice is loose and it's not good. She needs to get some control. All this week, as the insurrection was going on, she was making posts that had nothing to do with it. One of which was a still of her favorite podcast, including Joel Osteen, who, for those of you who don't know, is a megachurch pastor down in Houston, Texas, and Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, as well as the MouseChat.net Disney podcast. Where do we even begin with this? (laughs) I screamed when I saw this. It was just such a, like, portrait of a person. Looking to the next step of it, that she has this image and is like, oh, I'll post this. People should know this about me. These are my favorite podcasts. Two that are, in my opinion, any kind of, like, generic Christian post that's coming out right now is in response to the insurrection. And it's saying, I'm a Christian, can't we get along? But it's not specifically condemning what happened. And so those two podcasts serve that purpose. Then mousechat.net, the Disney podcast is just, oh, fuck. It is pure escapism. That is where her brain goes. That is what she's thinking about in these moments. And then she posts this shit. And childlike. Fuck. Well, Hannah Sluss, Certainly listen to whatever podcasts make you feel good, but posting this was a huge error. This went all around the internet. People were laughing at her, and uh, I'm yearning for the days of the four cookies. No explanation. We did like a fucking 15-minute segment on four cookies, some podcasts ago. We we gave the explanation. (laughs) I mean, I'm just joking. Our second parasocial error of the week was... Queen Victoria Larson. This post also went around the internet that she had posted in her main grid an image of her and her beloved doodle Coco. And in the background, you can see folded a Donald Trump flag. She claims that this was her makeup artist's house, that she has nothing to do with the flag. I... Don't believe this based on her response to the insurrection, which was to post a bunch of images of her celebrating her birthday in her bikini, partying, maskless. I believe that this lines up with everything that we know about her. Whether it's true or not, the facts remain. She posted this picture (laughs) with a Donald Trump flag two feet away from her. So at the very least... She is not good at scrutinizing her photos before putting them online. At the very most, she's a full Trump supporter who was like, yeah, I like that there's a Trump flag in the background. Either way, parasocial error here, and she had to do some backpedaling to try and distance herself from the image. This was a recent post. It was posted August 26, 2020. And perhaps one of the most disappointing parts of this is that Coco is featured in this and Coco is complicit and I have now unfollowed Coco. Whoa. Taking a strong That's stand. serious. Another serious error was committed this week by your 25th bachelor, Matt James. He posted a pic of himself golfing during the insurrection. Very Trumpian. He later took the pic down after receiving backlash. This uh, went hand in hand with a couple players from Tasha and Claire's season. Brendan Marias and young Noah Erb, who both posted thirst traps during the insurrection. 
My personal least favorite response was Lauren Lane. She continued to post SpawnCon of blenders during it and then later made a post claiming she was the actually the true victim of this situation in how she was bullied for how she was using her platform. I have to unfortunately throw Ashley Iaconetti on this list as well, who was posting stories to her Instagram looking at new houses while the country was fighting for its life against an angry mob of Nazi terrorists. I'm sorry. I know that must be hard for you. I really enjoy her content, and now it's a little tainted. Doesn't have quite the same joy it used to. And possibly the biggest error this week came from a player from JoJo's Bachelorette (laughs) season. We are, of course, talking about James McCoy Taylor, who posted that he was actually joining the insurrection. In a series of Instagram stories, Taylor alerted us all that he had arrived in D.C. for the Trump march, and many, many people in the pit have messaged us saying that they sent his post to the FBI. He later posted a tweet that read, Big thanks to the hashtag Bachelor family for supporting me during this time from top to bottom. Conservative producers are the best. Thank you at ABC Network, at ABC, and at Bachelor ABC for having my back while I legally supported our president. This sparked outrage across Bachelor Nation, prompting a tweet from the Emperor Mike Fleiss himself that read, Whoever that former cast member idiot jerk-off is that went to Trump's treasonous rally got a message for you, dot, dot, dot. You are officially exiled from hashtag Bachelor Nation. Once again, proving my point that we stated up top in State of the World, just as Trump has been exiled from all social media, so too now has his most ardent Bachelor Nation follower been exiled from the nation itself? And as a follow-up, several people replied to Fleiss that James Taylor was the player in question, prompting Fleiss to commit a parasocial error of his own by incorrectly shaming a different James Taylor in a tweet meant for the ex-player, but instead he tagged the five-time Grammy-winning <laughs> singer-songwriter James Taylor, who has sold over 100 million records and is most known for his folk standard Fire and Rain. I've seen fire and I've seen rain I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend But I always thought that I'd see you again That is a lot. A lot of information. Um... We've had players be banished from Bachelor Nation. Baloney Eyes, Garrett Powell, exiled himself from Bachelor Nation after people were upset at him for his support of the president as well. But the winner of the Parasocial Game this week, our Parasocial Play of the Week, went to a player from Nick Vial's 21st Bachelor season, Taylor Nolan. She did a ton of parasocial work this week and always combating white supremacy. She posted to her main grid immediately after the insurrection started with a picture of the ocean with the text, white supremacy is a national emergency. And then posted another main grid pic, which is a mirror selfie, where she's in a robe with the text message on the post. The only reason why civilians were able to violently break into the Capitol today is because they were white and because of white supremacy. That's it, period. Racism, everything, and is at the root of our political and structural systems in this country, a country that was colonized violently by white people. 
white supremacy is terrorism. That post has 13,722 likes and 405 comments. She also posted in her stories, all texts, this looting and rioting of Capitol grounds, violence and terrorism, encouraged by the president of the United States of America. Where are the white people so concerned about looting and protesting now? There are citizens in army gear breaking into the Capitol to stop democracy, and police officers sure know how to restrain themselves here. No National Guard, no tear gas, no shots. Nolan posted these in real time. She didn't need to take time and think and consult with social media managers and publicists. Nolan consistently and unabashedly posts about what is happening in our country and about the things that have happened to her following after this, people unfollowing her. She posted that she lost 3,000 followers after her main grid posts. She also posted her Venmo at Tay Mocha for followers to pay her for her emotional labor. Mike Johnson also posted in real time a lot about the insurrection and got a lot of unfollows for speaking up. All of which, to me, make these plays braver. To me, I I don't think they were the greatest players in game, but Taylor Nolan and Ashley Spivey, for me, are the greatest players in the postseason, doing a lot of very important progressive work with their platforms, and I appreciate it. I totally agree. I think what Taylor Nolan did this week, and like you said, all weeks... It's always incredibly impressive, and even beyond the fact that we agree with her political and social stances on pretty much every issue, what she's Mm -hmm. doing displays a deep understanding of what social media actually is, and certainly where it's headed in the future. You're not going to have the luxury of not rendering an opinion on any of this stuff. Everything now is, here's an event that's happening, what do you think about it? And very usually, it's in a binary pattern. Are you for this or against it? So moving into the future, anyone who has any following at all is going to be required to render some kind of opinion or start losing followers. And not rendering an opinion is rendering it in the opposite fashion, basically. Like a Lauren Lane posting Blender pictures is basically saying, either I don't care about the insurrection or I fully support it not caring about something that important yeah. is basically I mean support. she said oh my social media manager kept posting and it's like you're their boss you can tell them not to post blender pics you can tell them to post a statement from you condemning white supremacy which she did not do so and you know <laughs> there are a bunch of players who we still haven't heard from and probably never will on the issue including Hannah Brown and the Lion Dykes and Maddie At this point, the churn of social media is so constant and so fast that I think the people who are remaining silent will likely get away with it. And also, they're devotees, other Mm -hmm. than us. Like, I follow Lauren Leyendyke and Ari Leyendyke. I don't particularly agree with their politics, but we obviously follow everyone in Bachelor Nation. I think there's probably some people like us, but the people who are following them because they like them, they ain't posting shit about the insurrection either, you know? So there is a pocket of people who want to either remain apolitical or are secretly supportive of Nazis essentially and I think there will always yeah. kind of be that and I don't know we'll we'll see where this goes in the future but this week was a very interesting microcosm within Bachelor Nation to watch everyone's response to this in real time because as we've mm-hmm. really maintained from the beginning of this podcast 
Bachelor Nation is a direct mirror of American society. That's why the show itself is the most important media being generated by any American media company. It's literally our country. We had fucking James Taylor was at the goddamn insurrection all the way to Taylor Nolan shouting it down immediately and constantly and everything in between people who refuse to take a side or mm-hmm. remain silent people who have accidental trump flags in the background and they're saying it's my fucking makeup <laughs> person's trump flag it's like literally this is the fucking country we're seeing it right before our fucking eyes yeah and we are also not the only ones who are cataloging this information there are plenty of people on reddit who are making lists of everyone's various responses so that is only going to grow more and more that people's responses are going to be tallied up. We're on the precipice of quantum computing and machine learning merging so that all the, the <laughs> stuff we do in service mm-hmm. of tallying data. Is that going to make our lists? Yeah. It's going to make our podcasts. I mean, very soon, everything will be created by computers. There will be no creative jobs left for humans. But in the interim, it's going to be about data collection and management and all that stuff will be automated. You'll be able to literally ask your phone, which Bachelor Nation player said what? And it will just generate that information for you mm-hmm. instantaneously. We're probably five to 10 years away from something like that, I would guess. But it's right around the corner. And I don't think people realize it. And certainly in these moments where everything is recorded, Wayback Machine exists, all of your responses to everything are recorded. That shit's going to be available in a spreadsheet for anyone who wants it very soon. Yeah. I was especially, I don't know, it was a very weird way that I learned about the insurrection was that I was basically looking at all the various Nation responses. I was especially interested to see whether players who have been embroiled in racism scandals, such as Victoria Fuller and Hannah Brown, what they were saying, and silence from both of them. Yeah, that's interesting. Hannah Brown is very calculated. She has a team, and she basically, I feel like, is doing the same thing she did after her Instagram Live inward. Take some time off, say nothing, and give the excuse basically like, I'm taking time to think about this and have my reaction and all that kind of shit. Meanwhile, it's like, there's fucking literal Nazis in the Capitol building. What do you need to think about? Yeah. There's a fucking Confederate flag guy walking around uh, fucking Nancy Pelosi's office. Like, what do you got to think about? The country's being fucking attacked. Ashley Spivey posted something that was like, When you're confused about, you know, am I getting, am I living in a bubble? Am I getting my news? Is all my news fake, et cetera? A, uh, basically the post was saying that a good North Star to look at is, am I on the side of the Nazis or am I not on the side of the Nazis? And that's a pretty big indicator. (laughs) There's a fucking dude wearing a fucking Nazi shirt in there. Camp Auschwitz. Many. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. What she's really thinking about is, what can I say to not bleed off followers? Because she knows many of her followers are probably fucking down with the Camp Auschwitz t-shirt. And she's like, fuck, I have to craft something that's like, can't we all just get along? That type of a vibe. Yeah, that was a specific type of response that a lot of players gave. More love, less hate. That's what MJ posted. It's like... Okay. Meanwhile, you've got fucking like late night talk show hosts like Jimmy Fallon and shit issuing statements, videos that are condemning this. 
when you've got major networks, yeah. NBC, ABC, when they're letting their late night show hosts fucking make a decision about where they stand on this and put that shit out publicly and a fucking Instagram influencer can't, that's when you know the tipping point has happened. Network television is fucking dead. It's not important because an influencer now is like, I've got two fucking million people watching what I say and that's how I make my fucking money. I've got to try and be political to all of them basically like you know political i mean uh watching what you say and network tv doesn't really anymore when an issue gets big enough that network tv takes a stand and an influencer can't instagram means more than network tv yeah it's pretty fascinating like the mindset to watch the news see all of that stuff happening and to post you know influencer pics which sneakers should I get, et cetera. That was the next post Maddie posted was a poll about something about shoes. It's um it's hard to watch. It's 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 watching like people living on two different planets. They're not living on a different planet though. Maddie's well aware of all this and does have an opinion about it. She just mm-hmm. won't share it publicly. It's ignoring that element right. of her own psychology and she's like, I'm just gonna keep putting out sneaker picks and my good girl Christian strategy on Instagram and I'm sure it'll fucking work for her but she has an opinion on this we're just never gonna know it and that to me means the opinion might be pro-Trump by the way her Instagram bio reads love greatly be a voice for the voiceless always stand up for what you believe in Proverbs 31 8 Romans 5 8 she is standing up for what she believes in Instagram followers But congratulations to all of our parasocial players this week, whether you got the play of the week like Taylor Nolan or you made the biggest error in parasocial history like James McCoy Taylor. Becoming a terrorist. We thank you for your service. And now it is that time in the show when Pace Case and I descend deep into the pit to scream into one another's faces about our experiences as fans and people who cover this show this is screams from the pit my scream from the pit this week i sort of started to get into when we were doing the parasocial plays but it is that i documented all of the major players responses to the white supremacist terrorist attack on the Capitol. You know, I post most big Bachelor Nation news that I can on our Instagram story. And I was posting some of the players' reactions in real time. You know, Taylor Nolan, right off the bat, one of the first ones, Mike Johnson, (laughs) Matt James posting his golf pick. And then I just, I don't know what compelled me, but I could not stop. And I continuously documented them for the next two days. I spent basically two days on Instagram screenshotting all of the people that were posting against this, all the people that were remaining neutral and not posting anything, all the players who were posting other things that didn't have to do with this, ignoring it, and probably spent like two days of my life just doing this, being on Instagram all day. We compiled them. It's in an Instagram highlight, R-E-Coup. 
um, a couple parts. And we also collabed with, ended up collabing with at Bachelor Data to um, come up with some data visualizations for these responses, which you can see on her profile and ours. You know, I do feel it is important, but I also look at it and I'm like, I gave two of my days on this earth to this project. Is that a worthy trade? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it just consumed me and I was like, is this just going to happen from now on? Am I just not going to be able to, whenever the next huge thing happens, am I going to do that for that? How many days of my life will be spent cataloging this very small microcosm of social media? I don't know. If I may, <laughs> mm-hmm. two days of your life might have gone to that specific thing, but many more have gone to general Bachelor coverage. I mean, what we do now is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week coverage of this world of Bachelor. So you're saying months and months of my life are actually gone that I'm not thinking about. Yeah, I mean, when we did the hyper binge, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that shit was intense. Yeah. But something that we do on this podcast that I'm not sure anyone else does is parasocial coverage. We do parasocial plays of the week. We talk about the posts that mm-hmm. these people make as news because it is. Like we said up top, it's the primary fucking world. A player or anyone's behavior in the parasocial world is what matters. What they do in this world doesn't matter as much. This world being, I'm pointing at myself sitting in a chair, the physical world. It's the digital (laughs) world that actually matters. That's what news is based on now. And I think what you were doing was just covering their behavior in response to, I mean, the most important event in our lifetimes in America. That was uh, even 9-11, as horrible and tragic as it was, was a foreign entity, a terrorist organization from outside of our contiguous United States attacking us and hitting these kind of symbolic centers of American commerce. This shit was homegrown terrorists sponsored by the president himself attacking a fucking U.S. governmental building in Washington, D.C. Never seen anything like that. I mean, arguably, Charlottesville... And what happened in Michigan were also similar, but not on this scale. I hope it's the most important. I hope this is not a warning of what's to come. Oh, God. I truly we'll see. hope that. We'll see if my mom is right about that. I've been inundated with uh, God daily videos and like 5,000 word text messages about the coming civil war and I've got to prepare and get two weeks of food and bullets and stuff. From your mom? Yeah. So that's fun. But I think what you did is valuable, necessary even. (laughs) Thanks, Cliss. It's just what we do now. (laughs) We cover this game from every aspect. And I really think the most important aspect of it at this point is their parasocial play. I mean, that's a, a game unto itself. But it's kind of important to cover everyone's parasocial play. If they're, they used to, but when he still had a Twitter account... The news used to cover Donald Trump's tweets. The fucking mainstream news. We're just doing the same thing with Bachelor. Yeah. That's all. So I applaud you. Yeah. And I started to apply it to the people in my life on my personal Instagram as well. And it was 
eye-opening in some ways there too, unfortunately. You know what? I have a personal Instagram account that is nothing but squirrels and I haven't posted anything on it in literally mm-hmm. years at this point because I've been, the only Instagram that I do is Bachelor Clues now. I'm just like there constantly. And I was like, shit, should I post something on my old account? But I'm like, I don't even know if people like, why, you know? That account was kind of dead to me. I just don't interact with it. But I did have that thought, like, shit, should I post something on this? And then I was like, nah, I'll just make a Bachelor Clues meme of a fucking bloody Donald Trump face and the guy with the Confederate flag walking around. Yeah. <laughs> Clues' official response. <laughs> anyway, I commend you for your scream. I think it's fantastic the work you're doing. Necessary and valuable. Thank you. My scream from the pit this week involves what is a rarity for me? A dream about The Bachelor. This dream was hyper-realistic. It was vivid. I have a crystal clear memory of it. I was sitting in a high school cafeteria with a producer of The Bachelor. Now, this producer is not one that's actually known to me. It was just kind of a dream person. But her function in the dream was producer of The Bachelor. And we were in a high school cafeteria because they were shooting a hometown for The Bachelorette. That was what was being shot that season. We sat at a long cafeteria table in this high school as the bachelorette and the guy, again, the bachelorette and the guy were not, they were not known to me. These were dream people. They were no bachelor players I recognized. They were just nondescript dream people. Although I have heard it said every person in your dream is somebody you've actually seen in real life and your brain just populates dreams with them. So I don't know when or where I saw any of these people, but I think I must have at some point. So the bachelorette and her guy are going down the lunch line with lunch trays, getting lunch filled in their trays. And this is part of their hometown day. As this is happening, a, another guy comes in with a ring box, interrupts them, cracks it open, and is like, I didn't have a chance to give you this before you came on the show. I want to give it to you now. Like, I think our relationship meant something. Blah, oh, a blah. skeleton. He's a skeleton. It's her ex-boyfriend from this hometown. Similar to what they did with Becca Kufrin after she had sex with Ari. They flew in her ex-boyfriend to try and get her back. At any rate, the shit's going down. I'm watching it happen. And uh, I looked at the producer who's there. I, by the way, am part of some program that allows fans to like shadow producers. That obviously doesn't exist. <laughs> but in this dream, it did. So I asked the producer, um, hey, that guy who came in, did you know about that? Did you help orchestrate it? Or is that some other producer who's trying to undermine your chance at getting her together with this guy? Basically, I'm asking the question, are producers mm-hmm. like fighting it out with their different schemes or are you all on the same page and you're all trying to sabotage this relationship? And she looks at me, this producer, and goes, huh, what's your book going to be about? And I go, well, it's about this kind of stuff, about the oh game. My God. And she goes, you're going to ruin it, aren't you? And I go, no, we're going to make it better. And that was kind of the last moment of the dream before I woke up. And I woke up with this feeling like, um, I wish I could have a conversation like this with a producer, obviously, to get the inside details and stuff. But I was like, I was right. Maybe you are right now, (laughs) one-sided. Yeah, I'm having a parasocial interaction with a producer. But I woke up from the dream thinking, I was right. We are going to make the game fucking better. And I think we're seeing it happen now 
in the show. Our book's not even out yet. We talk about one-fifth, maybe, of what is actually going to be in that book in terms of strategy, statistics, all that kind of stuff. Definitely the podcast is kind of like a companion piece to the book, but the book is something else. Mm -hmm. The book is fucking in it. And I think once that comes out, shit is just going to be a lot different in The Bachelor because I think every player who goes on it will have read that book. What a (laughs) very clear subconscious uh, message. (laughs) The book is all I think about now. You're going to break the game. No, you're going to make the game. I mean, I have so many people tell me that they only watch Bachelor to listen to this podcast, so I agree with you. But yeah, it is a it is a question. Will it get to the point? I mean, we are talking about this being the first professional season. Will that get to this point where people don't want to watch it because it seems too much like a game? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? No. That's why people are watching it. Some people say online that they don't like that it's all influencers. Some people express that. But they still watch it, don't they? Of course, they are expressing it in a Bachelor subreddit. They are involved in the peripheral community. (laughs) We want better and better players. The game becomes more interesting when the players can play at a higher level. This is like watching in mixed martial arts. There was an era before Ultimate Fighter came on where it was a bunch of different fighting styles. They were all disparate and wrestling would usually win over other fighting styles. And it was just kind of like a wild west. Then as it became consolidated and mixed martial artists started training in all the varieties of martial arts and they became more well-rounded, you started to see these superstars emerging because they were so good at every part of the game. You're now watching two competitors fight each other who know every aspect of the game. And so the fights became vastly more entertaining. And I think that's what we're going to see in The Bachelor as well. You see players who know every aspect of the game. So it's not going to be like, like Courtney Robertson's season, season 16, Ben Flanick was the bachelor, for example. She was the only true player on that season and she fucking wrecked everyone. And she was a fucking villain and she won the ring. That type of shit won't happen. You'll have 32 Courtney Robertsons. Don't you want to see that season? I mean, obviously I want to see that season. I'm wondering, does it affect greater Bachelor Nation? You know, we talked about the statistics of Bachelor Nation being in all these southern bible belt states those people believe this shit's real they're going to continue to believe it's real no matter what yeah maybe the people who are watching it for in quotes love are always going to get whatever the show tells them and by the way the show never delivers that promise it's delivered it once in 24 fucking seasons love sean Lowe married Catherine. that's it every other time they break up almost immediately after the show those people are still watching every fucking year that won't change I think raising the level of play will actually engage a broader audience. We shall see. We shall in a very short amount of time. I'm looking very forward to it. And this dream to me was like, yes, it was interesting. It was funny, whatever. But it's also like I'm writing the fucking book in my sleep. Even while I'm sleeping, I'm thinking about that fucking book. (laughs) I had a dream last night, a nightmare that slugs were all coming out of my hand painfully so, you know, maybe that can help the book, too. Is that a metaphor for the book? The slugs coming out of your hand painfully? <laughs> it's probably a metaphor for something. I'm sure someone will tell me what it means. <laughs> Where's Joya when we need her? Uh, well, 
thank you. I feel unburdened now that we've screamed a little. Ready to get back into the book, actually, after we get done recording. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to everyone who has joined us for this week in Bachelor Nation. We hope you enjoyed our coverage of State of the World, the coming Senate trial for Donald Trump's second impeachment. We hope you enjoyed our Bachelor Nation news, our parasocial plays of the week, this week in gains, and our screams. And we will be back next Tuesday with our coverage of next week's big game, which we are looking very forward to. Yes. Can't wait. We'll see. I mean, we ended on a fucking cliffhanger. We didn't even see the second rose ceremony, so. But we know Victoria stays. They're cl- they're so bad this season with the cliffhangers and shit and their promos. And like you said in our last episode, the first clip of this week's show fucking showed you who had roses already. Saw roses in hand. Yeah. God so annoying. Yeah. So bad. we know at least some of them get roses. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious how long they'll keep Victoria. If like what you were saying, maybe she'll be top two, but it'll be just like, okay, sure. <laughs> Please. It's Victoria and Marilyn are the top two. They keep the rivalry going through the entire thing. Thank you, as always, for sending in all the delicious tids. Throw them down to me in the bottom of the pit at Bachelor Clues, please. (laughs) And, of course, if you are not on our Patreon yet, you can go to our Patreon and join us in the bottom of the pit. We will be doing a live pre-show video extravaganza as we do every week before the big game at 7.30 pacific standard time and you can once again access those live pre-shows all of which get recorded and you can watch them all later if you want to on our patreon yeah we realize it airs during the east coast airing of the bachelor but yeah join us www.patreon.com slash game of roses and before we go as always what is the dwab at It has been 6,869 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. 
my algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want a wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's fiber skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabooli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things, (laughs) and I need an easy install. And this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater, and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. 